0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks winning streak is over at five in what became a pretty frustrating outcome on this Saturday evening, a 19-point second half lead, a controversial call in the final seconds, and uh, ultimately, an ugly result for the Hawks at home against the Hornets. We'll get into all of what transpired in this game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day Dave. day. Hello friends, welcome to episode 1395 of the Lot Hawks Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening, deep into the night, here into Sunday to begin a new week on the Lots Podcast Network. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Users can have a 100% instant deposit match as, as a first time user up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepix.com, promo code locked on. I also encourage you to make this podcast, of course, the Locked on Hawks podcast, your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And please subscribe and tell a friend today. Today's show. It's going to be a frustrating one for a lot of Hawks fans. I would imagine at this point in time, the Hawks have won five games in a row coming into the night. They were hosting a team that they are better than in the Charlotte Hornets. And the Hawks were up by 19 points in the third quarter. And ultimately that was not quite enough. The Hawks blew that lead. There was a controversial call to be sure in the final seconds that might've cost the Hawks in this game, to be honest with you, but, as i will say probably later on as well the hawks never should have been in that spot in the first place when you're playing a team that you're better than at home yes it was a back to back i'm sure the hawks had some tired legs but certainly not a great performance kind of a collapse down the stretch and then uh, at the end of the day a unlucky result on top of everything else so we'll get into all of what transpired here but obviously it's still a good week for the hawks overall but this is not a good result on this saturday evening so we'll dive into the game now and the hawks by the way playing a team that was 12 and 34 coming into the night uh, Charlotte did have a huge advantage in rest, which I'm sure played some part. You never know ever how much of a part it played, but the Hornets had not played since Wednesday. And the Hawks, of course, had played twice since then. And, uh, you know, challenges, back-to-backs, etc. cetera. Uh, also, weirdly, back in October, a long time ago, but if you listen to this podcast then, you might remember, the Hawks had a very bad loss at home to the Hornets in October. So two of the losses that the Hawks have had, then I would say probably there are there maybe another top five or six of the season, top slash bottom five or six of the season of worst losses came against the Charlotte and they came in the home building in Atlanta. Uh, injury wise, the Hawks were shorthanded in this game, but did not play. He was out with right knee injury management. I actually have a quick piece of audio slash video to play for you. I asked him at Millen about this pregame uh, sort of the context behind Bogey not playing what the plan was coming into Friday into Saturday. And this is what they had to say about Bogey's injury. With uh, bogey being out tonight, is that a situation where you go into last night knowing you're going to sit him today, or is there a reevaluation on the second night of a back-to-back? How are you sort of managing bogey and his knee? Yeah, we, we have to look at all of that. You know, um, we look at the game uh, that he is playing, and um, you know, there's definitely uh, some doubt that he'll play in the back-to-backs. You know, so uh, but you don't uh, you you're trying to win that game. And uh, once you uh, get out of that game, then you will monitor where he's at and uh, get a feel for where he's at and if he can go the next night. So uh, our focus last night was uh, he he was questionable for last night's game. He felt good uh, in his warm-up and wanted to uh, give it a try. And, um, you know, we played it was really no restrictions as far as minutes that uh uh i had to play him uh so the the thing was to try to uh win that game last night and then see how he feels today and today was a day that uh felt we needed to uh sit him down anyway there you go from nate and we'll see if he's available again mcdonovich i mean about on as the hawks return to the action on monday in Chicago. Moving, up from, moving on from there, I should say, Charlotte was also short handed Ball, their best player, did not play in this game. Cody Martin was out for the Hornets. Also, Kelly Oubre was out for the Hornets. They did have Gordon Hayward back in this game after an eight-game absence. But still, the Hawks were, even with Bogey out, the healthier team playing at home. I'm going to talk to you about our, our new friends over at FanDuel later on in the podcast. But I'll just say this. FanDuel made the Hawks a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in the game on, on Saturday. And that was an appropriate number. The Hawks should have been that big or bigger, honestly, favorites in this spot. As for the game itself, uh, the first half was fairly crisp. The Hawks were not perfect in the first half by any means. They were down 5 five nothing, right out of the gate in the first 30 seconds. The Hawks scored the next seven points. They made eight of their first 11 shots to sort of, kind of restore some order. DeJounte Murray made, uh, I think he had 10, po- yeah, 10, 10 points in the first seven minutes. He was uh, very good, again, in this game offensively. There were some ball handling issues along the way, but there's also an awesome layup by Collins with, with his left hand. Rotationally, no huge surprises with Bogey out. It was a nine man group in both halves. Kongwu was first off the bench in both halves for Capella. Aaron Holiday has, uh, he, he, he in both halves. He actually had he came in for Trey in the first half with Trey taking the mid quarter break in the first quarter. That did not repeat itself in the third quarter. Um I, I will say Aaron Holiday struggles for with, with some point guard stuff for sure, uh, despite being the size that he is, had a pretty bad fast break, but he kind of botched in that first quarter. Uh early entry for AJ Griffin in this game, who's been often staying out of the game for the second quarter. He played earlier in this one and played more in this one because Bogey was out. That makes a lot of sense. And then Jalen Johnson came in, had a huge flying rebound in the first in the first quarter that I definitely wanted to note and uh, kind of so set up some good offense on of the floor, but it was nine guys that played for the Hawks in the spot. Um, Atlanta pushed the lead to as many as ten late in the first quarter. Ended up being up by six at the end, at the end of the first. And uh, I will say the one thing that plagued the offense really throughout the game was turnovers. In a weird way, you know, usually the Hawks, if you were ranking the Hawks' strengths as a team offensively, turnovers is usually number one on the list. They're in the top three of the league in turnover rate the last two two plus seasons. Basically, they're all they were always good. I'm the ball. In this game, they were not. And that was a uh, there was definitely an issue throughout. It was one of the reasons why the Hawks were not able to go over the finish line in this one. But 10 points each for trade and Ajante in the first quarter and playing well. And then defensively, they held the Hornets to less than a point per possession in the first quarter. They forced four turnovers. They did a good job contesting shots. And that uh, was good for most of the night until it wasn't at the end. Um, I like what I saw from AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson early in the second quarter. Griffin had a very pretty kind of curl three pointer and a couple of nice dribble moves off the, uh, off the bounce to kind of create some separation offensively. Jalen had a catch and shoot three that he buried confidently. And then had a great, like a, honestly, a beautiful move to uh, spin through the, through the defense and drop off a pass to a Kong for a situation where he was fouled. So no assist, but it was a brilliant play by Jalen and uh good stuff from the, from the young guys there in that stretch. Still though, Charlotte hung around in that period, the Hawks had three trips in a row that didn't score, and it were only, only up by four points in the middle of the second quarter. They closed very well, though, in the first half. They had a big run when the Stars came back in the game with some improved defense, and DeAndre Hunter had a good game in this, in this spot. He made four shots in a row from between 9 and 18 feet in about two minutes. He was just putting Gordon Hayward in a torture rack. I actually asked DeAndre after the game if there was anything special there. He basically said they were going to run that play until the Hornets stopped it, and they kind of never did. Um but basically, he was getting into that kind of mid-range, comfortable area. It's not an area that I love necessarily, but when you're open like he was, he was blowing by Hunter, and the Hornets were playing so far back with their bigs that the Hawks had a good opportunity there to kind of exploit that. Hunter made four in a row, and he had 13 points in the second quarter and only eight shots, so a nice night for him overall. Now, the Hawks went up, up by 11 points late in the first half. Then... Uh, Trey Young got fouled on what amounted to almost a heave. It wasn't like a pure heave, but it was it was a makeable shot. But certainly, he was rushing at the buzzer in the second quarter. He was fouled on that play. After a review, he was still that foul was sort of was upheld. It's took free, free free throws with 0. 0.4 seconds to go. And then in the middle of that, Steve Clifford, the coach of the Hornets, ended up arguing the call, getting a T. So it was four free points for the Hawks in the final minute of the first quarter. Uh, that was a nice little break for Atlanta obviously to go from, from up, up 12 to up by 16 at the half obviously it wasn't enough at the end of the game but that was a nice little uh, boost at the end of the first half the Hawks though shot well as they did the entire game but they had nine turnovers that's a weird number but still three guys scored at least 16 points in the first half 118 Murray 17 Trey 16 plus six assists and that's kind of a rarity not every day do you have three guys score that many points in a single half of basketball and defensively which we'll come back to later on, the Hawks only allowed 49 points on 49 possessions in the first half of this game. Now, in the second half, that changed drastically. And that's one of the reasons why the Hawks were not able to win this game. But in the first half, they're up by 16 at the breaks. Even if you want to kind of ignore the 19 in the second half framing, Sixteen points at halftime, nice round number there, and uh, not a whole lot of positivity after that. But we'll get into all of what transpired in the second half, as well as my overall observations, some player takeaways, and more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks for, for the DFS option this year. Make sure you check out the award-winning app at Prize Picks. Picks. is a daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know that you will too. It's so easy to use. I've been playing your prospects for a while now. It's really a lot of fun to play over there, and it's really easy to use all the way across the board. All you have to do is pick two or six players, but actually have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists or steals, etc. And a prospect is one of 25 times the money on your entry. They have numbers on any sport that you might enjoy that includes the NBA and college basketball and NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and more. A whole entry can may be maybe just a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. Plus, it's, it's just you. It's the projected numbers. It's that straight ahead. And a prospect is also safe and they have fast withdrawals, they're operating in more than 30 states. Plus Canada at this point, and you can download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. And first time you you're get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match of up to $100 with that promo code locked on. Check it out now at PricePix. Coming out of the halftime break, it's actually kind of a weird situation where Kongwu was listed as questionable to return with left hamstring tightness. He ended up playing and ended up playing a lot in the second half, so I'm not sure if he just got stretched out or whatever happened there, but there's a little bit of a concern that he wasn't going to be able to go with Capella still limited coming off of the injury. The Hawks might have gone deeper into the bench, but Kongwu came in at a normal time and played the rest of the way. So no, no concerns, hopefully, knock on wood for that, keep an eye on that in advance of Monday. Um, not a great start to the half there, obviously, but immediately – as I know before, the Hawks were up by 19 early in the third quarter. Then, though, everything went toward Charlotte from that point forward. A 7-0 run immediately from the net, from the Hornets to get back within 12. Nate called timeout in a hurry. They had three possessions in a row that were not great on offense, some pretty uh, sort of stagnant effort on that end of the floor. Then they failed to stop Mason Plumley, Yes, Mason Plumley, their center, the Hornets center, uh, from going coast to coast for a dunk. So that was obviously not a great start. Uh, overall, it was a 15 to 4 run by Charlotte to go from down 19 to down by eight, and the Hawks were very sloppy in the third quarter. Um, I will note now, as I did before, there could be some tired legs here. I'm sure the Hawks were gassed. Um, five game win should guess, but every game was competitive. There were no like total blowouts, and the Hawks were certainly, you know, having played yesterday. I'm sure they were a little bit. They, had, they had, I will say, at least a little bit less in the tank than usual and you don't want to attribute all that to tired legs but certainly there was some sloppiness some uh some weird execution stuff that doesn't always happen there was some ball handling miscues in that stretch as well which I kind of noted some turnovers anyway um the Hawks were basically up by 19 and then it was down to three by the middle of the quarter with Charlotte kind of just chipping away and chipping away it wasn't like a huge run against the backups either like oftentimes the Hawks second unit will get them beat in this game it was the starters for the most part in that stretch that were out there and then Akongo came in a little bit for there, but it was still the big lead was gone by the time the bench actually came in for the most part in the third quarter. They lost an eight minute period by 16 points. And if you want to go a little bit more uh, micro versus macro, that was the stretch where the Hawks lost this game. If you want to kind of just like boil it down, the Hawks went from having a big lead to, to not having a lead in about eight minutes and uh, circle that one for later on. The Hornets were hot from the floor, etc. cetera. Um, rotationally, same stuff, but a little bit of tweaks along the way. Trey played the entire third quarter um hunter played the four a little bit in the third quarter as well otherwise it was kind of just mimicking the first half but a little bit less of jalen johnson etc uh aaron holland actually hit a big three at the end of the third quarter he definitely has a lot of limitations on offense i talked i've called him basically a three and d uh wing player that happens to be 510 but he is a pretty good shooter on a on catch and shoots he's actually 38 and percent over four seasons and he made a, a nice catch and shoot there um then Trey had a three point play to end to end the half. So the Hawks scored the last six points, and it felt like the Hawks were going to be in decent shape. There actually was a terrible challenge I thought by the Hornets. Clifford was just frustrated. They called a foul on Trey uh, on Trey's drive. Clifford challenged the goaltending call. So basically, they already called the foul. He wasn't challenging the foul. He was challenging the goaltend. Even if he wins that that challenge, the best case scenario for the Hornets is Trey Young at the line for two for two shots. And Trey is a 90% free throw shooter. So basically, the, the, the choices, if you're <laughs> the Hornets there, were two points versus three points. And yes, that matters, but not enough to challenge in the third quarter. Anyway, we'll get back to challenges later on in this game, obviously. The Hawks, though, were up by eight at the end of the third. They had a bunch of turnovers, and 15 of them through three quarters is obviously really bad. And the big thing was the defense started to let down. The Hornets scored 36 points in the third, and then they had 37 points. In the fourth, um, Trey played the whole third, so they had to go back out with uh, with Holiday and Murray in the fourth. It's one of my pet peeves, but they let Aaron initiate some offense early in the fourth quarter. That, that did not go very well. Um, the Hawks went zone defensively for a little while. It was not as good as it was in the, in the, in the next game. It didn't get them killed, but it certainly didn't like stop the bleeding much defensively. Um, and the Hornets had the ball down by three, and then there was a nice swing toward the Hawks after a big block by Kongwu. Griffin hit a three, it was back, back to six. But that was as big as the league got again. It was basically six or less the entire rest of the way. The Hawks got their fifth foul on John Collins with about eight minutes to go. And they went small at that point. I didn't love that, but I understood it. And it was a big swing with like seven minutes to go that I also want to circle because Trey had a wide open floater that he always makes. And he missed it. And it led straight to the Hornets scoring to get down, back down to two. If Trey makes that shot at six again, the lead's elite, kind of comfortable. It didn't go down. They called timeout. They brought Capella back in with six and half, six and a half minutes to go, but only up by two points. And it was back and forth from that point forward. Turned the ball over. And then for the first time, since it was 10 to nine in the first quarter, Rozier hit a three and the Celtics, sorry, the Celtics, uh, the horns were up by one point with six minutes to go. Uh, Nate did challenge a foul momentarily after that. That would have made it a four point play on Rozier. Uh, this is very crucial. The Hawks won the challenge. But the three still counted, so they ruled that it wasn't a kick out of his legs. And uh, if you watch this game at the end, you will note that this is a big play because Rogier was involved in three different plays that were reviewed or at least questioned for kicking out his legs. He was kicking out his legs the entire game. In the first half, there was a play where he actually was called for the offensive foul, but it was an overturn on the floor. Um, and then that, and then, then this play, and then the one at the very end as well. So. Uh, it was an area that they probably should have been looking for a little bit more. But Nate, that, that time, won the challenge. But in the NBA, if you don't know this, just because you won a challenge doesn't mean you get another one. You only get one. So that's one of those things where, yeah, there's not really a reward for that. It saved, it saved them a point, but obviously later on in the game, probably could use that challenge at the very end. But you never know in, the, in, that, in that circumstance. But it definitely mattered a lot. Um, there was a 7 to 2 run after that by the Hawks to go up by six again. So the lead was back up to six. Um, Griffin had a three. Murray had a nice steal. If like the Hawks were in decent shape again, but then the Hornets just kept on making shots, and this is where you have to give them some credit. Obviously, it's always a two way street in the NBA, uh, and your opponent, even if they're a bad team, as the Hornets are, they're still pros and they make shots. So Rozier made made a pretty big haymaking three. The Hawks definitely offensively were better in the fourth quarter, but de- but de- defensively it was not very effective. The Hornets made two more threes momentarily after that. They made 10 threes in the second half. That's obviously a lot. And then Trey shot a pretty bad air ball to give the Hornets a three-point lead in the middle of that. On the ensuing possession, though, there was a bid for Clint Capella to be the hero of the night. So Clint gathered an offensive rebound after a miss by Hunter and got fouled. And Clint obviously has a lot of strengths. One of his biggest weaknesses is free-throw shooting. And he went to the line and made both. That was actually a huge spot for Clint. And they got a stop. And then, uh, honestly, a wide-open three for John Collins that I cannot believe didn't go down. It was it was one of those shots, like, if you watch the replay, the ball goes about as deep into the basket as it possibly could have gone while still popping out. It didn't go in. Nice pass by Trey, good process overall. But the Hawks got to stop. And, honestly, it would have been a dagger by Charlotte. So they were only down by one. Boyd's got a pretty good look on a three, just missed it. And Trey got, they got the ball to Trey and they didn't call timeout. And that's something Nate likes to do when they're, when Trey's on the floor, especially, they kind of just go in live ball situations. Trey missed a good look at a floater with no timeout. But Capella was right there with his second huge play of the final minute to tip it in for the lead. And the Hawks go up by one with five seconds to go. So up five, sorry, up one, five seconds to go, you're obviously favored to win. And it's one of those things. Um, coming out of the timeout, the Hawks put in Jalen Johnson for Trey Young defensively, which is totally fine. Um, I would have probably gone to Aaron Holiday in that spot, but I don't blame him for going to jail. He's got more size, all that stuff. And then, uh, as you probably know by now, if you to this podcast, he has called for a three-shot foul on Terry Rozier with 1.1 seconds to go. As I, as I said a second ago, Rozier was kicking his leg out the entire game. That was a very obvious thing that happened throughout. Uh, it happened again here. That kind of helped to draw the call, draw the call, I think. Uh, and I think it was the wrong call. And again, the Hawks did not have a challenge to use in this situation. So some stuff here. Number one, I think it was a... Again, I thought I thought it was the wrong call. Is it the worst call in history? No, it's not. But it's not a good call. It's obviously very magnified because of the time. I think if you... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the last 2 minute report says. But at the end of the day, nobody really cares about that. It doesn't actually change anything. Um, I think it would have been maybe overturned on a challenge if they had one. But clearly, you can't like be too mad about that either. Um, I don't think also... I don't want to blame all of it on the refs. I don't think Jalen played it very well. Um, there was some contact at the very top. You know, Hand versus hand is fine. You can do that. That's kind of one of those misconceptions that's out there. I think Jalen did not do a perfect closeout by any means. Um, I actually, uh, I think, yeah, Nate was asked about this, uh, by me actually, about the final call there by the referees. And he basically said he was told that it was contact at the top of the release. So we'll see. But uh, no matter what, it's a brutal moment to lose on. You know, Jalen didn't do a great job there. I think you, don't, you never want to have, to have it be in the hands of the referee. Um, they made the call. I didn't like the call. I thought, I thought it was the wrong call. But, uh, you know, the Hawks dug themselves into that hole the entire way. Again, th- this, this game should have been over by then. So it's, it's both. It's not a sexy answer. But, like, somebody asked me flat out, like, what's a bigger reason why the Hawks lost? the late foul call or the collapse. And it's like, well, the answer just has to be both. I I, I, I can't even pick one. I think, I, I guess maybe if you had to choose one, it would be the collapse because it was more of a big collapse. There about 19 points and you can't just let one play decide your game. But uh, it was brutal, obviously just unlucky, bad execution all the way around. And that was the play they lost on for the most part. So last thing here, Rozier, those to the line that makes all three. That was big as well. So that put the Hawks down by two with about a second remaining. Uh, they, Call timeout, of course. They had two remaining. So they call one. They get out to set up the play. And Nate call timeout kind of immediately, the second the second one. Before they had a, really, a chance to run much of an action. So that was uh, not my favorite thing in the world. Then after the timeout, second timeout, I should say, they got a five-second call for the, for the inbound violation. So I didn't love having Trey Young throw the ball in. That's been a controversial thing the Hawks have done a few times in recent days. Nate was asked about that by Lauren Williams of the AJC, and he said that he wanted to have his best passer inbound the ball and he wanted to get the ball to DeJounte or Hunter coming off the screen. I don't have a huge problem with that, but the way that the play unfolded, Trey is, de- is dealing with M- Mason Plumlee jumping in front of him, who's obviously a large man. Um, and, I, you know, I will say it's a low percentage situation in that spot because, yes, you have a chance to get the, to get a shot off. But it has to be perfect. You're down two. And, you know, the one time that I thought they could have the probably the ball to Murray, Murray was in a dead sprint away from the rim. So even if he gets the ball there to Murray, Murray has to catch it and basically shoot a Kobe turnaround, like 180 degree turnaround from 20 feet falling out of bounds. Like he might've made that, but it's a, it's a very, it a very difficult shot. The other one, like I thought there was a moment where Hunter might've come open as well, but no matter what, like it's, it's a tightrope in that, in that situation. There was like a, a great perfect, like perfect lob play that they've had executed before. Like it was, everything was going to sort of be a jump shot and uh, yeah, didn't happen. So my second call and the game is over basically at that point. And, uh, you know, sort of going from there. So, I don't know. There's so much to talk about from this game. Like, it's one of those situations where nobody's happy at the end of this one. The feedback um, from the players and the coaches, um, you know, on the, on the dais and all that stuff. Nobody was thrilled. I saw walk-off interviews. It is what it is. Like, nobody's happy. But it's not just one play, ever. And it's not just one segment of the game. We'll get into the offense in a second, defense in a second. But second half defense was terrible. Um, offensively it was stagnant at the end of the game the Hawks did shoot the ball well in this game but the turnovers were, were a problem it was a lot of stuff rolled into one and uh one thing is for sure even if you are trying to take an even-handed approach like I, I like I try to do on this podcast and you have to at least mention that the Hawks were the team that had the disadvantaged rest wise in this game even with all that said you cannot blow a 19 point lead in the second half against a bad team in your home building all those things Yes, you had a rest advantage. That, that does matter. Yes, the Hornets made a bunch of shots. That does matter. But the Hawks, flat out, you cannot lose this game up 19 in the third quarter. It's just one of those things. And they they, they would all admit that, I'm sure, even with every caveat available, they would all note, like, you can't lose this game. And they lost it. It's one out of 82. It is what it is. But uh, obviously a sour taste at the end of a, uh, a heck of a week for the Hawks, really a week plus for the Hawks before this. All right, we're we'll going to get into my takeaways in a second about the offense and the defense and all the stats and all that stuff from this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. The NFL playoffs are here. We are very excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On Podcast Network because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports so fun and so easy. New customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all the favorite bets that you're looking for, from money lines to point spreads to totals, game props, player props, and much more. Plus, you can combine them all together for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay the nfl playoffs are still rolling with a handful of games everyone's talking about right now honestly and the hawks also have games on monday and wednesday coming up this week to gauge and monitor with fanduel all you have to to do to uh, get into all the safe action is uh, check it out at fanduel.com or in the fanduel app and it's safe and secure and super easy to use football fans basketball fans don't miss out on this place your first five dollar bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, and shout to my folks at FanDuel for becoming the new sponsor, of course, at this point in time. But uh, we will turn our attention now to the takeaways. And really, the second half was hugely tilted towards Charlotte. Clearly, on the scoreboard, that's very obvious. It was 73-53 in the second half. So the Hawks lost by 20 after halftime. Yikes. Uh, The Hornets had a 140-ish offensive rating in the second half. And this is a Hornets team that I have to note, they're terrible on offense. Like, they're terrible. Uh, They were coming into the night second worst in the league in offensive rating, and they have been the worst team in the league without LaMelo Ball offensively. So to have that team put up 1.4 points per possession against you in a half is not good. Um, They did make 10 threes. Some of that's a hat tip to them. But four turnovers, 73 points, the Hawks shot the ball fine in the second half, but they did nothing on the offensive glass, turnover battle, all that stuff, and the result was not the one you want. So, overall, the offense really cratered after halftime. They ended up with a 111 offense rating for the game, a 125 or so in the first half. So, I'm looking up now to see if it's been updated since I started recording this podcast. But really, the I can tell you this with, with very much certainty: the Hawks' offense in the second half was not good, uh, not effective necessarily, really at all. Um, so yeah, I haven't I have it now. Yeah, the Hawks scored exactly a point per possession in the second half. There's your game right there. Now defensively it was also bad. It was you know again about one point about, about a 140, but offensively it was just as bad after halftime. They shot the ball very well in the game. I'll say that. If you're looking at the box score, you like you probably be baffled that the Hawks lost this game because this is their shooting splits in the game. 34% from the floor, 44% from three, and 85% at the line you are not going to lose many games in the NBA if you shoot the ball like that. But, and yes, overall, the shooting was really good. Even if they didn't take a lot of, didn't take a lot of threes, they ended up with like a 61% EFG in this game. That's an elite figure, but everything else was bad basically for Atlanta in this game. So offensive rebounding wise, basically nothing after the first half Um, below average for the game. Nothing in the second half free throw creation below average. 18 turnovers. That's a number that the Hawks just cannot afford. The Hawks are awesome taking care of the ball. They average about 12 and a half per game. 18 that led to 21 points for the Hornets. So essentially nothing was good for Atlanta other than shot making. And look, the Hawks didn't shoot the ball well in this game. Even with the Hornets forcing them into a bunch of floater range shots and mid-range shots, the Hawks were 25 of 45 between four feet and and three-point line. That is a ridiculous number of volume. Like you don't love that process, but because the Hornets play defense like that, they, they, they definitely try to make you shape the, take, 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 take those shots and the Hawks made them. was like, I'm, I mean, I complain about process issues, but the Hawks made those shots in this game. It's just that nothing else beyond the shooting went well for the offense, uh, ball movement wise, etc. So defensively, again, the Hornets are terrible on offense, unfortunately, but, for the full game, even if you want to give the entire broad context, a 121 or so offensive rating is really bad to allow to this Hornets team. They were hot from three in the second half. They made 10 threes. But for the game, it wasn't like it was a, like one of those like bludgeonings from three point range. Like coming into the night, if you told me the Haw- that the Hawks got blitzed by the Hornets offense, I would have guessed it was the Hornets being super hot from three. And yeah, they were in the second half. But for the game, they were 13 of 34. That's like pretty good 38%. It's not crazy by any means. Uh, the Hornets also didn't get to the line a ton. Only 22 attempts. But it was 28 assists for Charlotte. The Hawks losing the turnover battle to the Hornets by six. It's not good. They took... Oh, this is one of those things that I love to point out, but the Hornets won the possession battle. The, the Hornets took six more shots than the Hawks did and two more free throws in the game than the Hawks did. In a four-point game, that's a huge thing. So... It wasn't super lopsided, but the Hawks, after winning the, ter- the the possession battle by a lot on Friday against the Knicks, they lost it in this game, and it's one of those simple things that kind of could kind of swing a game, and it's one game in this spot. So, uh, the player evaluations we kind of fly through these a little bit on this podcast with nine nine guys playing. Jalen Johnson had a below average game, uh, zero points and three shots. I thought it was fine process wise, like he took one one probably shaky look, but the one-three was a good, was a good look. Five rebounds. Had an assist. I thought he played okay. He was fine. Plus three in nine minutes. Aaron Holiday offensively doesn't give you much. He didn't have the one catch and shoot three. Didn't have an assist as well. Had a steal and a block. Defensively, he helped them out in this spot in a small sample size for 15 minutes. Griffin had a good game, I thought. 23 minutes, 13 points on seven shots, made all three of his threes. That's very helpful without Bogey. Obviously, five rebounds and an assist for AJ. Defensively, probably below average, but it is what it is. Um oh, sorry, three assists. For Griffin, I was looking at the wrong line. Three sets for AJ in this game. Uh, Okongwu, three points, seven rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, I thought he was okay. He has not, he was not as good as he has been the last week plus, but that's okay. Like, he only took one shot, which is a little bit uh, kind of weird for Okongwu. He actually played a large stint in the second half despite the injury. I wonder if he was 100% in the second half, but we'll come back to that later on if we need to. Uh, Capella played 24 minutes uh made all five of his shots and two, and, two, and two free throws at a big time and again he would have been kind of the hero of the game at the end of the game after the free throws and the tipping. 12 points nine rebounds two steals and a block he looked good he's been playing really well since he, since he came back obviously the hawks are going to look to him have him play a little bit more as he gets settled back in but the back-to-back's tough for him playing both sides of it but he's been good since he came back so that's very helpful he was plus eight in a game they lost by four so there you go um collins Foul trouble was the problem for him in the second half. He had six fouls. He fouled out at the very, very end of the game. Only took seven shots, had 11 points, five rebounds. Defensively, he was pretty decent, I thought, around the rim, but wasn't like he was an absolute best game by him. He was probably like a C-minus game, C-plus game, something like that. Uh, Hunter had a huge first half, um, 13 points in the second quarter, he ended up with 25 um, and four rebounds, two assists. Um, didn't do a whole lot like in the floor game, but did make shots. He was 8 of 11 on twos, 2 of 5 on threes, and his scoring game has been pretty impressive in recent days. And then Trey and DeJounte. So uh, Trey, I thought, was worse today than he had been in the last few games. He wasn't terrible, but he was pressing a little bit, I thought, in the second half, it felt like at times. He was only uh, 9 of 18 on twos is actually fine for him, but 0 of 4 from 3, that's the line t- 9 times. Had 12 assists, 6 turnovers. He wasn't bad, but defensively wasn't quite as locked in as he had been in previous games. Um, just not you know not quite as good. I thought he was still fine, but not not sort of glowing like he had been the last few games murray has been so hot that was still the case in this game as a shooter he took 20 shots made 11 of them six threes made four of them in the last six games sorry the last five games he scored 20 points or more in five straight that's the third longest streak of his career per hawks br and in those five games murray is shooting 60 percent from the floor and 18 of 33 from three now, that is unsustainable, obviously. Murray's not going to shoot like that. He never has in his career, but uh, he has been really hot. And honestly, if the Hawks have won this game, he probably would have had a claim on player of the week status in the Eastern Conference, but we'll see. I, he wasn't as good in this game as he was in the previous games either, and uh, it's sort of directly tied to the result, I think. But, you know, nobody was terrible for the Hawks in this game. It's just that nobody like, had that full-on standout performance that they've been having in recent days. You know, Murray, Murray shot the ball well again, but that was kind of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll emerge now with how sort of the way this transpired, but a uh, frustrating game for sure for Atlanta. As I said before, it wasn't one play. It was a collapse. Yes, it was a controversial call. Yes, it was a, you know, maybe, maybe the Hawks were due for one of these kind of performances as well. And the Hornets did play pretty well for their, by, by their standards. But at the end of the day, you cannot lose this game. And the Hawks know that. And uh, it sort of extinguishes a little bit of the optimism that was happening. I will say, uh, just, I, I was probably accused of being too low on the Hawks last night, I'm sure. Uh, this is not a reason to panic uh, it's one of those games that like will get you over the course of 82 games, and uh, the Hawks are still in totally fine shape. But you know, one and one over the last two games is not is not too bad. Five and one in the last six is not too bad. But uh, you want to get that game at home and losing to the Hornets in that in that building is uh, is frustrating to be sure. All right, from here, the Hawks travel to Chicago, where they play the Bulls on Monday evening. It's eight o'clock start. Interesting test for the Bulls actually, because the Bulls last played on Thursday afternoon in Paris, so they'll be flying back. Maybe the more well-rested team despite international travel because Paris isn't that far away and they had not played since Thursday. But we'll see how that all transpires. The Bulls are an OK basketball team. They're not great by any means. They are 21 and 24, but a road game against a team that has some rest and uh, a nice little challenge for the Hawks on the road on Monday before they actually return to the floor again on Wednesday on the road in OKC. So play to get to coming up on the podcast, but it's been a busy week. We've done six shows in the last six days. It's been uh, sort of wall-to-wall coverage in this space. Please subscribe to the podcast on your p- platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, Google Play. We're also on YouTube if you like the video product that we put out there as well. Do it, do it across, platform, across platforms. Multiple downloads is always encouraged for sure. Please follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Rollins. Support our sponsors and our new sponsor, FanDuel, on today's show. And we'll see you all after the game on Monday.